Hey, Mike here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Dark Poutine early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. You're about to listen to a historical episode of Dark Poutine. After episode 149, you will find Scott is no longer with the show. In an effort to maintain continuity and offer listeners as many episodes as possible, we are leaving the episodes in which he co-hosted intact. Thank you. Welcome to Dark Poutine. I'm Mike Brown, creator and host. With me as usual is my good friend, co-host, sound guy, uh, who has a man crush on Ryan Gosling. Oh, come on. If if somebody doesn't have a crush on Ryan Gosling, they're the problem. I like him as an actor, but I think, f- I think you go a little... He's far fucking dreamy. Scott Hemingway, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, come on. I'm not I'm not ashamed to say that man is dreamy. Well, I'm not he's he's a very good looking man, yes. And you know what? What? A lot of people say he looks like me. See, this is why, because Scott's a narcissist. I'm like I'm I'm a mini narcissist. So let's get to it. Dark poutine is not for the faint of heart or squeamish, as our content contains mature themes, harsh language, and graphic descriptions of violent crimes. Listener discretion is strongly advised. What you are about to hear most likely took place in Canada, but if not, it will include Canadians. We're not experts on any of the topics we present, nor are we professional journalists. If you're looking for impeccable research... And well-written content, CBC or the Globe and Mail might be a better bet. So put on your toque, grab yourself a double-double and an animal bar. It's time to scarf down some dark poutine. Episode 17 of Dark Poutine. Wow. 17. Yep. 17. Old enough to uh, go and fight for your country. And, and our podcast is doing that daily. Fighting for our country? It's fighting for Canada. It's fighting for your rights to party. There you go. Uh, in the late 1960s, uh, a vicious serial murderer stalked and killed at least three women in Montreal, Quebec. He was given the nickname the Vampire Rapist due to his penchant for brutally biting his victims during the commission of his heinous crimes. By the time he was caught in Calgary, a fourth woman was dead. His trial included the first testimony in forensic odontology in Canada, setting legal precedence. That's a beautiful word. Odontology. Odontology. Yeah, exactly. It even predated the conviction of another extremely famous serial killer, who was put a, put away ultimately on bite mark evidence. And do you know his name? Theodore. Robert. Or Ted. Bundy. Yeah, there you go. One of the most uh, well-known and famous <clears throat> famous serial killers. Yeah, that's right. Did you know that Zac Efron is playing it? Get out of here. Yes. That... There, there are lots of pictures of Zach on set. Uh, wow, I'm very curious. Playing Ted Bundy, yeah. Because I'm, I'm not going to say like uh, I'm a fan of his. I'm not. I can't either say. Well, he's, a, he's a good looking also, man. What's what's the difference between? Uh, he doesn't look like me. Uh, I, he 
Let's face the facts. He doesn't look like me. No. But he like I, I don't dislike him. I have nothing against him. But I just he's never done anything that really appeals to me. But uh, I do like it when these. Watch. I haven't seen it. I, I do like it when these like classic good looking like these generic good looking people kind of break face and uh, I would love it if he just nails this role. I would love to become a fan of his from just nailing this role. I've seen some of the photos and he looks really Bundy. Oh my God. I'm excited now. Yeah, it's pretty great. Wow. I'll show them to you later. Zach Efron. Maybe we'll talk about this a little more in the after show. Maybe you will. Okay. Yes. This is the story of Wayne Clifford Bowden, the vampire rapist. Wayne Bowden was born in Dundas, Ontario, to Albert and Laverna Bowden on New Year's Day in 1948. The town of Dundas, now a part of Hamilton, is a bedroom community of just over 24,000 people in the quiet valley beneath the Niagara Escarpment. I don't know what that means. An escarpment. Like an outcropping of land? And the menting of it. Yeah, just say I'm right. You know, it wouldn't have hurt you to to have stuck around school. Yeah, it actually did hurt. <laughs> okay. Quite, quite something. Okay. My brain don't like the learnings. <laughs> the book learnings. No. Uh, from most accounts, Dundas is a nice place to live with an old town feel. There are some other more pleasant notables other than Wayne Bowden from Dundas, namely folk singer Stan Rogers. Yep. Sure. And Dave Thomas. Yeah. Who went on to play Doug McKenzie. Uh, that's half of the Bob and Doug duo on SCTV. Canadian icons. <clears throat> Absolutely. Bob and Doug are particular heroes of ours. We think Wayne Bowden can take off, eh? He's, wah, wah, he's wah, a hoser. Wah, wah, wah. Oh, wow. So Wayne's father, Albert, was a factory worker. He was strict and cold. Wayne's mother, although uneducated, was very particular about things. She liked things just so and wasn't afraid to speak up if a job wasn't done right the first time. She sounds like a peach. Yeah, exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. A peach of... Yeah, the, the house had to be clean and chores had to be done on time and perfectly. Wayne was not allowed in certain rooms of the house, in particular the fancy living room, the kitchen... <laughs> And his parents' bedroom. So you're not allowed in the kitchen. You're a kid. There's still pretty much your bedroom in the bathroom. Yeah. You can go to. Yeah, pretty much. What a lovely existence. Yeah. Uh, although not far off from what I, my life. But... Was your, your life wasn't that bad. Your mother is very nice. No, I'm talking about now. I'm like in two rooms, living yeah, room and what, bathroom. That's by choice. My, my, my childhood was lovely. My mom listens to this podcast, Mike. Come I on, know. Come on. That's what I'm saying. Your mother is a very nice person. Miss Hemingway is the best. I agree, Mike. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. What is wrong? She's with a you? witch. No, I'm kidding. She's not. She's not. I a love witch. her. Oh my god. So yeah, the Bowdens were not affectionate with each other, or their son, and he hated them. Uh, Scott's texting while I'm talking. It's very distracting. <laughs> It's distracting for you. Yes. And also me. Yeah. It's all stop. <laughs> yeah. The Bowdens were not affectionate with each other or their son. He hated them. He did not bring his friends around because he did not want anyone to know how things were at their home. Wayne's father ruled the roost and his mother kept the house in order. It was more like a business arrangement than a marriage. School was a kinder place 
than home for Wayne Bowden. He was embarrassed by his mother so much that he even told his teachers that she was dead so he wouldn't have to Jeez, talk about her. Jeez, yeah, when you have to get to that point. His mom's dead. Wow. What? Tell us about your mother. She's dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the guy kind of ends the conversation. <laughs> you don't go anywhere from there. Okay, well, I'll, bye. And they knew she, knew she wasn't dead, but, uh, you know. When a kid's saying that, he just, you don't dig. Yeah. Even with that oddity, Wayne's teachers liked him and thought he was well-mannered and always willing to help out when asked. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Some of the other kids thought that Wayne was a suck-up and the teacher's pet. He had to defend himself physically a few times in bloody fistfights, but he was, asked, he was athletically built and was able to handle himself. Wayne played on the high school football team, and the girls thought he was good-looking. Mm-hmm. But he was painfully shy to the point where he was unable to interact with his female peers at school in any romantic way. You know, that, I think like most kids can relate to that. But, yeah, I guess. But being that painful about it? Yeah, I had to be drunk. <laughs> Well, it's true. Fine. He rarely looked people in the eye when talking to them. Yeah, I had to be drunk. (laughs) I'm getting concerned. You shouldn't be. I always have been. Yeah. Wayne tried to find a career around Hamilton as a salesman and even a model at one point. Hmm. Interesting. It's like uh, Zoolander, I guess. (laughs) Sure. Blue steel. Got the black lung pop. Yep. Uh, but when Wayne's father died, when he was, uh, when Wayne was only 18, uh, Wayne was done with Dundas. Dundas. Oh, you're on fire, Mike. Oh. You're on fire. Awkward as he was, uh, he wanted to be away from his mother, and uh, because by now he loathed her. Well. But he already claimed her to be dead, so. Yeah. I think loathe is not far <laughs> off of yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so at 19, Wayne moved to Montreal, where he took up residence as a small but cozy apartment at 1849 Dorchester, number 24. Bowden shyness followed him to the big city, where he took on jobs as a traveling salesman. So you're shy, but you want to be a traveling salesman. I guess the, it's circumstantial, and I think it's because he uh, he's not trying to meet a lady per se, like he's there to do a job. So I think you can kind of turn the switch. Yeah. And he, and a lot of, uh, killers, a lot of, uh, serial killers and psychopaths are actually very charming. Yeah. Well, he was, Yeah, but I think his confidence was low. So I think maybe he took on that, that job of being a salesman because like you mentioned, it's a structured environment to to uh, deal with people in, so you know what's expected of you. And number two, you get to practice being charming. Mike, it's a brilliant observation. Seriously, I think that's, that's yeah, I think you're spot on. I, I, okay. Yeah, that's a compliment, Mike. Everybody take note. A compliment. Scott just gave me a compliment that seemed actually genuine. Mike? I think that's why I was stricken. Mike. You are a person. Wow. Yeah. That's a compliment, too. You're welcome. So anyway, one-on-one he was okay, but uh, 
you know, in a group hit, he still struggled because I, I'm like that though too. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. There's a lot of these traits that a lot of us can relate to. But here's where he and, and us differ. Oh. Uh, other than spending a lot of time in his little apartment listening to music and, and thinking dark thoughts, which we've also been known yeah, to do. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Wayne Bowden murdered people. <laughs> Okay, that's a bit of a, d- a different a yeah, distinction. That's where yeah. we kind of diverged. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So his first victim was his neighbor, pretty five foot two inch tall, twenty uh, year old Shirley Audette. She lived literally down the block from Wayne Bowden at eighteen thirty one Dorchester in apartment two. Uh, she was there living there with her twenty six year old boyfriend Kenneth Aylert, who she'd been with over a year. Mm-hmm. Shirley was a troubled, nervous girl who'd been hospitalized the year previous with unspecified mental issues. Oh. Yeah. She'd just found out she was pregnant. Although she was promiscuous, Shirley was certain that the baby was Ken's. He wasn't as sure, and their relationship was a bit strained because of that. That sucks. Yeah. Uh, Ken worked nights, and Shirley hated being alone. She would often call Ken at work throughout the night. Uh, when I worked security, Carol used to call me in the middle of the night. Yeah. 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 Make sure you're safe. Make sure I'm safe. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Carol's good like that. Yeah. The early hours of October 2nd, 1969 were no exception. Shirley called Ken at 3 a.m. She, she said she'd met a good looking and friendly man with whom she'd been chatting with that night outside. Hmm. Yeah. Sounds pleasant. Yeah. Ken called Shirley back at 5 a.m. She didn't answer. Ken came home from work that morning, and Shirley was not in the apartment. He recalled the 3 a.m. phone call and and thought she'd probably gone off with the man she'd met. Hmm. Uh, Ken began to worry as the day wore on with no sign of Shirley. Ken called police to report Shirley missing that evening. But they didn't find her. She didn't come home. (sighs) The next morning, a maintenance man found Shirley behind her building in the dark, narrow alleyway. It was clear Shirley was dead, and the maintenance man immediately turned on his heel and went inside to call police. The police found Shirley fully clothed in the outfit she had on the night before, all except her shoes, which were found in the courtyard behind the building. Shirley was on her back, and her upper body was leaning on the fire escape. Her lower body was on the ground. Shirley was wide-eyed and smiling in her rigor mortis. Oh, boy. A sight that surely shocked the poor maintenance man who discovered her there, and I'm sure the cops were pr- pretty freaked out oh, by that, too. Oh, uh, that would be just a terrifying like sight to grinning see. grinning like the Joker. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought. Like, yeah. What? It, oh. Just scary. Oh. So did the guy pose her like that? I don't know if you can, like, pose a smile, like if somebody's sitting upright. I don't know how. I, I haven't uh, tried to manipulate a dead body. Yeah. So I don't know. Like, I don't know if, like, yeah. The only dead body I've ever actually touched. Well, there's two. One was the guy we were giving CPR to who died in front of us at work. That's, oh, that's, that's yeah. That's a whole other yeah. story. And then the other one was my grandma. Hmm. I touched her hand when she was uh, in the casket. Hmm. There. Yeah. But wow. anyway, but yeah. It would be kind of weird trying to pose somebody, I think. I mean, definitely he took pleasure in posing his victims, but I don't know if you can 
I don't know if a, a smile is going to stick, but whatever it is, like, oh, man. Yes, it's creepy. It's just what a horrifying sight. Yeah. And poor, poor lady. Yeah. Blood was coming out of her nose, which led police to believe she'd been strangled. Hmm. And that was verified at autopsy. Uh, definitely asphyxiation due to strangulation was verified as the cause of death. She'd also been raped. She had no defensive bruises on her body, and there were no signs at all of any kind of struggle. There was nothing under her fingernails to indicate she'd scratched it or attacked her, as uh, many, mm. many rape victims do. Yeah. And apart from evidence of rape and strangulation, uh, the pregnant Shirley Audette didn't have a mark on her, except she'd been viciously bitten on the breasts mm. to the point of breaking the skin during the attack. Oh, man. And these bites were initially kept as holdback evidence and uh these happened while she was alive oh man yeah. and, and hearing like hearing a few times that she's pregnant that just destroys me yeah and her poor poor partner yeah yeah so obviously he was a suspect at first oh i he got to be but he's got the perfect alibi because he's at work and everybody sees him there yeah 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 but but still you know he he comes home that morning claims he doesn't find her and the police are obviously thinking yeah yeah sure. no for sure he it's t i think that the the spouse is typically the first person absolutely investigated and, and occam's razor usually says says that the uh the simplest explanation is the actual explanation yeah yeah which a lot of times it was but not in this case because we know it was somebody else but can you imagine you're you come home you can't find your wife and the next day, the maintenance guy out mowing the lawn finds her behind a bush. Eesh. No, no. Horrific. Yeah. Oh. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. So they canvassed the area, and uh, no one had seen or heard anything. And there's no indication that the cops even talked to Wayne Bowden at this time. But they may have, because he lived in the area. Yeah. So... Yeah. But, but it could have been door knocking. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't find anything specifically on that. Marielle Archambault was a petite five foot five inches and 105 pounds. She was pretty vivacious, uh, 20 years old, and she enjoyed her job as a clerk in the jewelry store. Mm. As Montreal has a fantastic nightlife, uh, it's a great place to be single. Marielle spent a lot of her time out after work partying in the wee hours with her friends and meeting guys. As you should. Yeah. At that age. Go have That's fun. what it's about. Exactly. I had I had a lot of fun, but I don't remember any of it. That's where I met Ryan Gosling. <sighs> okay. Marielle came into work gushing about a man named Bill who she'd met the night before. He was dreamy. Apparently he was supposed to come pick her up that hmm. day. Bill, who was actually Wayne Bowden, came to pick Marielle up from work. Uh, but he wouldn't come inside. He stood out on the sidewalk for some reason. Marielle left with Bill. She was never seen alive again by her co-workers. They were worried when she didn't show up for her shift the next day on November 23rd, 1969. Her work buddies called her landlady to have uh, her check in on Marielle. Hmm. The landlady entered Marielle's apartment and found her clearly deceased lying on the couch. The police observed that there was not many signs of struggle at the scene. Nothing appeared missing. Police thought she had let her attacker in. It looked as though Marielle had been posed where she was found with a pillow under her feet. 
Marielle was wearing a green blouse, now missing three buttons, and brown pants underneath her housecoat. Blood was evident on her cheek. There were bloody bite marks and blood smears on her neck and right breast. So again, we've got Mr. Bitey Pants over here. This man is so sadistic. Like it just, He's posing because he wants to impact the people who have to come and see this. He's, he's trying to put on a, but a show. He wasn't like Danny Rowling, though, like posing a, a chopped off head. No, but... but but he, these, this posing was more, it looked like he was, as I was reading, mm -hmm. his posing was more like, I'm taking care of this person. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. It's like, it may imply that there was a little remorse, remorse yeah. in there. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's interesting. So, like, putting her feet up on a pillow. It Making her like, comfortable. Yeah. 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 It wasn't like he was... Uh, splaying her oh okay you know okay but as these this goes on that does tend to change as well oh charming yeah anyway uh she had been strangled with her own nylons uh upon searching her apartment for clues police found a picture balled up uh in her dresser and it was a picture of a man hmm. her neighbors and family didn't recognize the man in the photo her friends from work identified the man in the photo as the one they had seen on the sidewalk who'd left with Marielle the last time they'd seen her. Oh. They were sure that was Bill. Oh, positive? Pos they were absolutely positive. Hey, is that uh, eyewitnesses are never wrong? Never wrong, not once. The police were ecstatic, of course, with the similarities of this murder, the murder of Shirley Audette and another from 1967. They were relieved... Uh, what they believed to be the first solid lead in the case. Mm. So, you know, here's, yep. a, here's a photo. Yep. Um, and they thought all of these were connected. So, yeah, now we can talk about where he's biting people. Uh, yeah. They released the photo across Quebec, and people were on the lookout for who they were calling either Strangler Bill or the vamp Vampire Rapist. Mm. Mm. Strangler Bill. Vampire rapist will certainly have, a, like, that'll catch on in the media. Absolutely. Months later, people came forward and told police that they knew the man in the photo. Not only was his name not Bill, and not Wayne Bowden, uh, this man had also died months before the first murders, and he was just a friend of... Uh, oh. So much for that... Uh, yeah. So much for that eyewitness account. So cops have been looking for the wrong man. Oh. Fantastic. Yeah. If your name was Bill, though, and you were trying to meet a girl at a bar in Montreal, good luck. <laughs> Three women were dead, right? And uh, everybody was terrified because there's a monster in the city. No, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, no. I, I, you know, when we go back to the Abbotsford Killer, like, I can remember that panic and terror. Yeah. Like, so when that stuff's going on, I'm sure, like, yeah, people are yeah. on edge. Yeah. Well, there was no internet then, but... But know. still, it would be bombarded in the, in the t on TV, on the news and everything. So if you're like, hey, what's your name? Oh, I'm Bill. You'd probably be like, uh... Yeah. Okay. Again, the cops canvassed the area with no other solid leads. <clears throat> A third woman, Jean Way, 24 years old. She was born in Newfoundland and came to Montreal to expand her horizons. I mean, there's not a lot of horizons in, in Newfoundland to expand. It's a nice place. But it's not a very, if you want to have a career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, not, it's not a place that you stay. No. Yeah, 
much like, you know, a lot of the Atlantic provinces, those have not provinces. Yeah. It's, it's rough for a young person starting out. So lots of us move West like yep. I did. Yeah. And that's what Jean Way did too. She was tiny, four foot 11, weighed only 110 pounds. That's a very small person. Yeah. Uh, on the 16th of January, 1970, she spent the day going from store to store shopping. She noticed that she'd seen the same man at a few different stores. Was he following her? Yes. <laughs> well, she tried to make eye contact, and whenever she would look directly at him, he would avert his eyes, and he would even go as far as to hide behind clothes racks or leave the store that mm. they were in. This guy was giving her the heebie-jeebies. Just giving me the heebie-jeebies. Yep. So she went into another store. Yep, still there. Yep. What a creep. Yep. Jean made a quick turn into a photo studio, and she told the proprietor she was being followed and asked, asked if she could use the back exit. The owner of the photo studio said, sure. Showed her to the back entrance and watched her walk down the alley. <laughs> he then returned to the front of the shop and looked outside. He didn't see anything unusual. There was no man out there, hmm. like, peering in the window or anything creepy like that. Yeah. And uh, he forgot about the encounter until he saw Jean's photo in the paper a few days later. Oh, man. Can you imagine? Oh. It's like, <sighs> oof. No. He could have gotten a glimpse of the killer, but he did not. Well, you're not really going to be thinking, oh, this girl's probably going to be dead. No. So you're just like, it, it's... But, it, but it, if, okay, so if I'm working in a place and somebody walks in and says, like, I'm really terrified I'm being followed... Yeah, but remember, I would say, you know what? Stay here. Let's let's call the police. In twenty eighteen, yes. What year was this all happening? Nineteen sixty nine. Yeah, I mean, like that was still a time. Like genuinely, she should be in a kitchen. Was the belief of a lot of people still? Oof. So I mean, there, it's it's not going to be treated nearly and. and there was no social media. Yeah. There was so you're not inundated with this yeah, stuff. So fair enough. 20, yeah. 2018, if this were to happen to me, somebody were to come into, I don't have an establishment, but if they did, and if I'm being followed, I, what do you need? Would you like us to call the authorities? What, yeah. what, what can we do for you? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yep. Anyway. Tangent over. Tangent over. Jean had been uh, dating her boyfriend, Brian, for about a month. They had a date set up for uh, that Saturday evening, so the next day. Um... And when Brian came by and found Jean wasn't answering her door, he wasn't surprised. Uh, he, but not overly concerned because he was early. So he oh, just okay. went, went to a pub and drank some beers and, and came back at the time they'd agreed upon. He knocked, no answer. So he let himself into Jean's apartment. I guess he had a key. Yeah. They've been together a month. Yep. Sure, here's a key. Jean was lying on the bed, dead but still warm. Oh, my God. The belt from her housecoat was wound around her neck. Oh. Brian f freaked 
he frantically ran to the police department nearby. When they came back, Jean had been covered with a green bed, bed, bed spread. She had not been when Brian left. Oh, my God. So, oh. was the killer still in the house when Brian was there before? Well, I don't see any other logical explanation. Unless a dead person got up and put a bedspread over themselves. Yeah, no. Oh. <laughs> right? Could you imagine him when he found that out? So, there you go again, though. Oh. So, here's another bit of that posing. A bit of that. I feel a little guilty. So, I'm going to put... I'm going to cover this person up because I did something bad to them. Yeah, a lot of the times if they're covered, if the head is covered, it's not so much about it's about guilt, not so much about remorse. I don't want oh, Every, don't look at me. Don't look at me. Everything was covered except her feet. So her feet were sticking out of the the bedspread. Like not making a joke cuz it is it possible it was just a short bedspread? <laughs> it wasn't a joke. It was a legit question. I don't know. Ask the cops in Montreal in I 1969. Will. I will. But anyway, yeah, that dude was still in the house. Oh, so man. creepy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was saying, I think earlier, it reminds me so much of the the show The Fall. Yeah. Oh, what a, it gave me so many shows. Yeah, that's a great show. Yeah. Um, this time, uh, there were definitely signs of a struggle. The apartment was a mess, uh, which was not its usual state. Jean apparently was a great housekeeper. As well, she had fibers underneath her fingernails, mm. so she'd been scratching at yeah. something. Brian was immediately considered a suspect. Had there been a fallen out between the two and led to her demise, autopsy showed Jean Way had been strangled again and raped, and again, bloody bite marks on her breasts and neck. One of her nipples had all, almost been bitten right off. Oh, no. Brian was eventually cleared, uh, as well as they could, and the police put this murder down to Strangler Bill again. So also the vampire rapist. Yeah. Although not a suspect at this time that we're aware of, uh, Wayne Bowden didn't want to take any chances. It was time to move on. Okay. So he moved to Calgary, Alberta, Cowtown. Yeah. Pretty okay. soon after the Gene Way murder. So Alberta's oil and gas industry was booming at the time, and many young men from all over Canada were moving there to take advantage. Yeah, my grandfather, was yeah. he lived there. He was an oil. He was an oil man. Yeah. Bowden just happened to have some other motivations for heading west, uh, clearly. Uh, he thought a change of scenery would be good. Maybe he could leave the past behind him and start fresh. No more of that stuff. Yeah, because it was just the geography that was his... Problem. Yeah. Yeah, that'll fix everything right up. Whatever it was driving Wayne Bowden to do the things he did in Montreal came right along with him. Uh, he began to talk to women in bars. He was feeling more comfortable now. It was becoming easier. Another person who had been attracted by opportunity to Calgary was Elizabeth Porteous, a pretty 33-year-old schoolteacher. She'd moved to the city a couple years earlier. Elizabeth was single and looking for love, but she didn't date a lot. She was pretty particular about who she wanted, mm. and she really wanted somebody to sweep her off her feet. Mm. She and her friends traveled to Banff one weekend to get away from the city and party and ski a bit. Elizabeth was waiting for her friend in the local bar when a good-looking young man who called himself Bill sat down beside her and started chatting her up. They were both from the Hamilton area small world yeah 
He said he had noticed a Hamilton sticker on her car. The two exchanged phone numbers and promised to meet up back in Calgary again. Bill left before her friend arrived. On the way back to Calgary, Elizabeth prattled on about Bill and how nice and good-looking he was. <sighs> two weeks later, Elizabeth and Bill had their first date planned, and Elizabeth's friends helped her shop for an outfit for the date, so that's how important this was wow. to her. Yeah. Uh, when Elizabeth didn't come to work, on May 18, 1971, the morning after the date with Bill, her co-workers were concerned. This was unusual. There was no answer on her home phone. We see this is all going in the same direction as it usually goes yep. with this guy. Yep. People assumed her big date had gone well at first. Uh, the day passed and the faculty at the school grew more concerned because she was still not answering her phone. The maintenance man for her building was called and he entered Elizabeth's suite and uh, made a grisly discovery. Lying near the front door to the apartment was a semi-nude body of Elizabeth Porteous. Her apartment showed signs of a struggle, although it was evident that the killer took some time to clean up and wipe things down in the kitchen prior to leaving. Elizabeth had been raped and strangled and left, dress torn open, spread-eagled in what police referred to as the rape position. One of the buttons of Elizabeth's dress was missing. The others lay nearby, torn from the dress during the violent attack. Elizabeth had been viciously bitten 77 times oh on the neck God. and both breasts. Her right breast had been bitten through from bottom to top. This was the most brutal attack yet. So he's, he's escalating. Yeah, clearly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. oh. But his time between these, his last attack and this one was greater. So maybe he had more of a buildup of whatever. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Of crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So... Uh, Elizabeth's body was moved to the morgue, and part of the process to gather evidence is to remove the victim's clothes. This allows for closer examination of the body prior to autopsy, yep. you know. Yeah. A cufflink clattered out onto the autopsy table. Formerly caught up in Elizabeth's clothes, this must have belonged to her attacker. So, a clue. Yep, there we go. Yep. Uh, but who does that belong to? How many men would have cufflinks? I guess he be a snappy dresser i guess well cufflinks were quite common back then i've done my research my cufflink research okay yeah sure yeah it's intensive uh the police began to question elizabeth's friends and co-workers right away quickly they learned about the mysterious young man bill uh, elizabeth had met in banff and with whom she'd had a date the night before her disappearance this is where the break finally came oh good a fellow teacher from Elizabeth's school had been driving with his wife the night before. They pulled up beside a powder blue Mercedes. That's kind of a weird color for mm -hmm. Mercedes. And it had a horse or bull bobblehead in the back window. Not the typical car one would see in Calgary at the time. Uh, the teacher and his wife took notice. Oh. Driving was a good-looking, well-dressed young man in his 20s with long sideburns. Elizabeth Porteous was at his side wearing the clothes she'd been found murdered in. This must have been Bill. Police did a quick search for cars matching this weird description and got a match right away, uh, just a block away from Elizabeth Bowden's apartment. The registered owner, Wayne Clifford Bowden. And so I have written here in my notes the, the word followed with a question mark. Yep. So I think this guy 
stalked his prey. He has shown that tendency, the girl in the mall. But I, th yes. And, but I also think because he lived just a block away from this victim. Yep. He actually had seen her prior to their meeting in, in Banff. In fact, I think he followed her all the way there. Yeah, it would be difficult to, like, how would one, without introducing yourself to that person, how would one find this all out? But it's way too coincidental, man. Right? Like, same time. Yeah, and a block. From the same place yeah. to, yeah. Like, it, like a block away. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm, my gut tells me that there was uh, some premeditation. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, like, I think he was watching her for an extended period of time. Yeah. And maybe this is why his attack was so brutal, because he was watching, he was stalking yeah, her yeah, for such a yeah. long time. It's an interesting theory. I think there's a lot, a lot to that. Yeah, I'm reading Mindhunter again right now. Oh, okay, here we go. All right, yeah. But that's yeah. yeah, that's just neither here nor there. I'm reading two. I'm reading the other uh, Robert Res Wrestler one too. Yeah. Uh, whoever fights monsters, or yeah, that one's really good too. You're pretty much a qualified. Uh, no. Not yeah, you are now. No I'm qualified yeah. Anyway, police staked out Bowden's place, and, and soon enough, he drove up. The bobblehead was nodding away as his car pulled up, as if to say, yep, this is your guy. Oh, man. Uh, Wayne Bowden was brought to the Calgary police station for questioning. Uh, when confronted with the evidence, he claimed he knew Elizabeth Porteous, but denied having killed her. Yes, the cufflink was his. It belonged, apparently it was passed down to him over through his family, so he probably wanted it back. Mm. Uh, but he said he must have dropped it uh, when he was at her home that evening, so she had willingly let him in. Bowden was arrested on suspicion of the murder of Elizabeth Porteous, but vehemently denied hurting her. The cops knew they needed something else to prove Bowden had done the deed. What about the bite marks? Mm -hmm. Forensic dentistry had yet to be tested in the Canadian criminal court system. So they reached out to Gordon Swan, a local orthodontist. <laughs> yeah. And the FBI, who steered them to a forensic odontologist in the UK who had been involved in a few cases there. Oh, okay. So, for some reason, Bowden consented to allowing Gordon Swan to... Uh, take bite impressions well i think it, at that time if it hadn't been if that wasn't a proven yeah like he, he's probably like, he's probably thinking sure why why it's whatever, go ahead well if me. he had a lawyer his lawyer probably wouldn't would have said don't do that i don't think he had a lawyer at that time i don't know huh? well it's really hard to to find enough uh on these on yep. these older cases yeah. like this one's almost 50 years old yeah much like your host Ew. Oh, boy. But anyway, um, so the Calgary police reached out to Montreal police because that's where Bowden's from. Mm -hmm. You want to see if he's got a record. Yep. There's no internet. Nope. There's no... Uh, you can ma get mail, but let's pick up the phone and have a conversation. File systems were literally files. Yeah. There was no, there was no uh, shared databases. That's right. Uh, yeah. Vicap did not exist. Nope. So... Um, the cops in Montreal said, nope, this guy doesn't have a record. However, we are very interested in, uh, his, the MO and the signature. So MO, strangulation, strangles his victims. Yep. Signature bites them. Yep. And poses them. Yep. Oh, they're very clear, uh, signatures. Yeah. So 
they really wanted to have a look at this guy from the, the cops in Montreal. So as they were looking through his apartment, they found the missing button from oh. Elizabeth Porteous's dress. And I paused there because this <laughs> this particular thing really gets to me as well as the dental impressions came back and matched Bowden as well. Not a surprise. Yep. He's the dude. Yep. Um, and he did confess at the time. Oh. But uh, he recanted his uh, confession uh, saying it was coerced and pled not guilty when they went to trial. Oh, okay. However, the trial lasted only two and a half days. The prosecution presented the bite mark evidence stating the impressions matched Bowden at 29 points. Fingerprints only have to match at 10 points to be considered a match. So That's interesting. So bite mark evidence is actually quite good. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's very interesting. Yeah. Uh, the jury concluded in just over two hours that Wayne Clifford Bowden was, in fact, guilty of the murder of Elizabeth Porteous. Good. Good. Uh, yes, good. I'm glad we have finally a, a murderer being convicted. Yes. Sometimes we, we end up in a, going in a different direction. And it drives me bonkers. Every single time. Uh, the judge sentenced him to life in prison. Bowden was returned to Montreal and convicted of the three mur murders there after confessing, and he received the same sentence three more times. At first, he claimed he would black out while committing the murders, but later spoke about them in more detail, saying his motives were sexually sadistic. He enjoyed inflicting pain and tasting blood. Apparently, the tasting of the blood turned him on. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's like he knew he had hurt somebody. Yeah. You know? Oh, what a psychopath. Yep. So here's where I paused before talking about this button. And Bowden had taken the button from Elizabeth Porteous's home and kept it in his bed as a trophy. He would fantasize about what he had done to Elizabeth while fondling the button. Hmm. Fans, let's, uh, let's not push for a fondling of the button shirt. I, I I think Scott fondles the button. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> well, we don't need to get into my private life, Mark. <laughs> you called me Mark. I did, yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, we got Matt, Mark. Who you threw me off with my fondling of the button. Is that what it's called now? <laughs> hey, what did you do last night? Well, I spent the night fondling the button. Oh, God, yeah, but if we put that on his shirt... Like, I know what it's from. I know it's this disgusting human. It's this disgusting serial I killer. I couldn't feel comfortable with that. Well. Fondling the button. Who knows? Yep. Anyway, <laughs> this guy went to prison. Thank God. Kingston yes. Pen Penitentiary, the big house. And he began serving his sentence on February 16th, 1972. Uh, however... The story of this turkey doesn't end here. Wayne Clifford Bowden uh, did some more stuff. I would, he's in jail. Well, 12 years into his sentence in 1984, Bowden slipped away while on a day pass using a credit card he had somehow obtained from American Express while he was incarcerated. What the fuck? Everything about that sentence is, <laughs> is wrong. He escaped. While out on a day pass. On a, uh, so you have a serial killer on a day pass. Four who, victims. Who has a credit card. <laughs> that he acquired in jail. Yes. Oh, to be alive in 1972. 
Well, it was 84 when that happened, though. You were alive by then. Yeah, well, I was, yeah, sure. Shitting your pants. I was 10. Still shitting your pants, I'm sure. Let's not get into it. <laughs> so, anyway. Wow. Uh, That's right? A, that is just all bonkers. So he was discovered, so he got out, and he was out for 36 whole hours. Oh, my God. In Montreal. <laughs> and he, where did they find him? Having lunch and chatting with a woman over drinks at the Mount Royal Hotel in downtown Montreal. Holy shit. So this woman came very close to... No kidding. Right? Oh, had it been 48 hours, who knows what have... Yep. Oh, my God. Yep. Could you imagine her when she found out who he was? I can't. I can't, I can't just... Look. Traumatized. She, she had to flip her wig. Yeah. Holy crap. Yeah. Uh, the escape was investigated by Corrections Canada, of course, and three, three of Bowden's overseers were punished for allowing a serial killer to get loose on the streets he'd used as a hunting ground. If that punishment was to also put them in jail with him, I'm okay. Well, I don't think it was. It was no. probably just a slap in the head. Yeah. Uh, Amer oh, American Express also did an internal investigation for much the same reason to ensure that never happened again. And then found out that one quarter of their uh, clients were in prison. All in the big house. <laughs> uh, Bowden, a dangerous offender, somehow was granted minimal, minimally supervised day passes away from prison. <sighs> Uh, since that time, if a prisoner is considered a dangerous offender in Canada, uh, their movements are more restricted and they rarely receive day passes. But it sometimes happens. Oh, no. I don't think Paul, Paul Bernardo, for example, is ever going to get a uh, day pass. There would be a few people pissed if that were to happen. Yeah. Like the world. Well, the world. Do you hear something? I hear your cat meowing at the door. Yeah, he is. <laughs> Uh, William Clifford Bowden died of skin cancer on March 27, 2006, in a prison hospital. I wish he would have died from punched-in-the-face cancer. Yeah, well, maybe Too, it was. I hope so. Uh, before we go, uh, we want to give uh, a shout-out to our latest Patreon patron, who is Heather from Fort Worth, Texas. And oh. thanks also to Kyla, who's who's very active in our... Uh, in our dark poutine yumber yard. Yep. Totes awesome. Uh, yeah. Totes she, awesome. She upped her pledge. So thank you so much for everybody who pledges uh, with the show. Um, we've got our swag. We finally got our stickers. Woo -woo. Uh, we've got some t-shirts um, and other things that you can buy in our threadless store. Yeah. Thanks to everybody who, who purchased stuff already. Oh, I, I yeah. can't, I can't wait. Hopefully you can all take some photos and, and send them our way. Right. Exactly. And we're going to have a shirt, a t-shirt giveaway here pretty quickly. Woo -woo. Yeah. Woo -woo. Yeah. So we will actually purchase the shirt for you and send it to you. If it doesn't fit you, deal with it. Deal with it. So probably give us like... I hope it's too small for... I hope it's the smallest size and everybody's got to just uh, sausage their way in it. What size shirt do you wear, Scott? Typically. Okay, so... I, I've, There's a reason he's not telling us. I've graduated. to. I, I've gone from an extra small... Yes. ...to a small. Oh. Yeah. Well, let's... Well, my fitted shirts, when I would buy a fitted shirt, they were extra small all the time. Yeah, I am not extra small. Since three years of not having to go into a day job, my, in the middle, it's probably a medium. Okay. Skinny fat. 
skinny fat is correct. If you want to donate to us, uh, you can do so at patreon.com slash dark poutine or send us some donut money at uh, via P- PayPal <laughs> or, P- or, P- or PayPal PayPal. <laughs> Uh, at our email address, darkpoutinepodcast at gmail.com. Here's a promo from Akshay from Blood on the Rocks. Hello, and welcome to a promo for Blood on the Rocks, a podcast on all things creepy, morbid, or otherwise dark. I'm your host, Akshay Taylor. Join me and various guest hosts as we cover a whole load of subjects. We'll show you the world of serial killers, accidents, hauntings, black metal, and more. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and all those other fancy podcast platforms. Our core and funny content may vary. Check out our website, www.darkpoutine.com, for show notes and other cool stuff. If you have any story ideas, questions, comments, or just want to say hi, you can reach us via email at darkpoutinepodcast at gmail.com. I got an awesome email from somebody from Lunenburg today. Whoa. Yeah, and uh, she... Where, where's that? China? It is not in China. Mm-hmm. Lunenburg is where I'm from. We've had this discussion. Her name is Crystal. Okay. And uh, she said, I just wanted to say hi. It's cool to hear you talk about Nova Scotia in your podcast. Listen to your podcast while at work in Lunenburg. China. Poutining. <laughs> All the best from the East Coast, Crystal. Thank you so much. Like, I, I emailed her back, but I'll, I'll say, like, it means a lot to me that people on the East Coast like us. Because there are other podcasts out there from the East Coast, but there's no dark poutine on the East Coast. Uh, we're here in, in Surrey, British Columbia, and it, it fries my brain that anybody has even heard of us back there. Dude, 50,000 downloads. 50,000 downloads. I'm, I'd say I'm speechless, but I'm currently talking, so that doesn't quite qualify. Uh, I'm like, I am just ecstatic. I'm all kinds of emotions. It, 50,000. It was just a few months ago. We're going to talk more about that in our after show, which is going to be for our patrons. So we're going to start doing a dark poutine after show after every single show. I teased you all. Yeah. Well, he did that. You can leave us an internet voicemail for from your PC at darkpoutine.com slash message. Two people have done so so far, <laughs> but uh, it's kind of fun. Let's make it more. And we will play them. Like, if you want to email us an MP3 of you saying, go shit in your hat, I will, <laughs> Mike Brown, Scott Hemingway, go shit in your hat. <laughs> and I will play <laughs> the go shit in your hat. Maybe I shouldn't have said that. Well, I do the audio, so I'll, I'll, I'll edit it so it's just Mike, go shit in your hat. I'll oh, edit out the Scott part. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, so please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, just search Dark Poutine. Tell your friends about us. Lots of people clearly have. Uh, especially fun is our closed Facebook group. We are now calling it Dark Poutine Yumber Yard. Yep. I'm soon to be go shit in your hat yard. <laughs> I don't know. No. Maybe we should have a go shit in your hat t-shirt, though. Sure. Yeah. Have like a, a hat with like a piece of poop sort of like... <laughs> leaning over it but it, uh, this group the yumber yard it, i love it i do too I, I love it so if anybody isn't in there and you want to be just send us a request yep. it's on our facebook page and, and i will approve it yeah because we uh it's fun man these people are nutty yeah they're nice people it's very it the internet is not often a very fun place or a kind place yeah but 
there has not been a single argument in, in that group. It's just fun. Yeah. It's literally just fun and supportive. I just love it. People from Australia, people from Canada, from the U.S., all over, U.K., you name it. Yep. Uh, Marta from, from, uh, from Denmark. Yep. No Russians, though, I don't think. Well. Hmm. Putin. Dark Putin. <laughs> that's why. That's what they think it is. Exactly. They all, if we listen, we get killed. Exactly. Uh, you can subscribe to us on your favorite podcast directory, like iTunes uh, Podcast, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, and our host, Podbean. Lots of you have left five-star reviews. Somebody, I think, left us a one-star review, and they meant to, they said, awesome podcast. They said all this really <laughs> nice stuff, and then they gave us one star. I think I think it was meant to be a five-star review, but it's fine. It, Maybe they just, they operate on a different scale. Like, five is terrible, one is the best. I don't know. I guess so. It could be. But thanks for the kind words, though. The, the words were very kind. Uh, <laughs> so, anyway, every little bit helps. Uh, we will be... Still chatting in our uh, Dark Poutine after show, but that's for our patrons, so... Pay up, monkeys. <laughs> exactly. Uh, anyway, don't forget to be a good egg and not a bad apple. Bye-bye. Thanks for letting us fill your ears with some Dark Poutine. Ciao.